pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace this morning, Lord, thanking you for this day, for truly, this is the day that you have made. We are rejoicing, and we are so glad in it. Now, Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, speak to me and through me that I may deliver this message to your people. I ask that you just open up their hearts and their minds. Let them receive the message as you have given it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture for today comes from 1 Peter. 1 Peter, verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter, verses 15 and 16. I'll give you a few seconds to go ahead and find that in your Bibles. That's 1 Peter, verses 15 and 16. And it reads, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Let me say that one again. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. This month, spiritual discipline is on holiness. And as we navigate, as we navigate our way through this journey called life, we are expected and have been given a command from the Old Testament, Leviticus 19 and 2, to the New Testament, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. We are told and reminded to be holy, for I am holy. I'd like to use for a theme today how to live holy in a heart-heartened world. How to live holy in a heart-heartened world. God has certain expectations of his people. God created us in his image and began, and being created in the image of God means that we represent the very essence of God and what God stands for and as well as what God will not stand for. Genesis 1, 27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So right there in black and white, we were, we see we were created as a representative image of God, not as in the physical appearance, but in the physical presence of our actions and inactions, in the physical and spiritual presence of our Christian walk. My brothers and sisters, it's cut and dry for Christians on how God expects us to act in our words and our deeds. It does not matter your title or position. It does not matter your zip code or your financial status. It does not matter your color or your gender. When it comes to what God expects, God's expectations of us are still the same. He does not have any favorites. It is our very actions and inactions that are on display for the world so that they see us as a representation of God's love, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. I know that does not resonate for a lot of people right now in this world, but when God says, be holy because I am holy, it is not that God is asking, he is commanding that if we say that we belong to him, then he, like Mormonism, is saying, act like you do. Do you remember what your parents or grandparents would say when you got ready to go out in the public? like the church or to visit other family or friends, mama would say something like this, 
you better not get out there and embarrass me. She would say, you are a reflection of me and we act and carry ourselves like we have some sense. For some of y'all, mama may have been a little raw, but nevertheless, the message was always, you represent me and the family name. I recall my time in the military when I would receive assignment orders for overseas. The first thing uh, we would do upon arriving in theater or in country was that we would uh, have a week-long uh, culture indoctrination training. And they, they would call us the little ambassadors of the United States, meaning that the country where we were stationed in, the only view of America is what people would see through us. It is the same with God and holiness. For those who do not believe or have not come to Christ, or maybe you are on the fence, either way, the only way some of them will get a glimpse of what God looks like and what God acts like is through their interactions with us. And unfortunately for some people, what they see is not conducive to who God is. So today I'd like to share with you what it means to be holy and live holy in a heart-hearted world. So Peter goes back Old Testament and says in speaking with Christians, reminding them to be holy because God is holy. First, how do we define holiness and what it means? I will tell you that there's great discussions and debates on the topic of holiness, but I'm here to tell you that my research from my time with God's holiness is a process of separating ourselves from the pools of the world and presenting ourselves as a personal and positive representation of Christ. You see, I, I, I kept coming back to two words, separation and presentation. It is how we present whom we represent. You might want to write that down. It is how we present whom we represent. Now, I, I did do like Pastor always encouraged us. He said, Google it. So I did Google the definition of holy. The Greek word for holy is, uh, holiness is hegas, and it means pure, morally blameless, or set apart, as in set apart from holy use, which is what the saints of God have been called to. I'm going to spend some time with Paul highlighting how Paul helps us to live a holy life as we are reminded in 1 Peter 1, 16. Uh, uh, listen, the definition of holiness means to be set apart. Set apart for holy use. Paul reminds us in Romans 12, 1 and 2, what it means to be set apart, living in a world, but not of the world. He says in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Then he goes on in the verse 2 and says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does it mean to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, Pastor Stephen? Well, it means that my body no longer belongs to me. It belongs to God and it is used for the purpose of displaying God's fruits of the Spirit in my daily walk. It means my body uh, is a living representative of God. What Paul is saying is that being a living representative means that we cannot be conformed to this world. It's easy to be conformed to the lustful lifestyles that this world offers. It's easy to become tricked up and tied up in the entanglements of temptation. 
We can't get caught up conforming to the laws of the world. We can't let the world mold us into what it wants us to be. We must know that we know that we know that God is our potter and we are his clay. Isaiah 64, 64 and 8 says, but now, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter and all we are the work of your hand. A potter takes raw clay and transforms it into his own masterpiece. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be the clay at the hands of the master potter. Not being conformed, but being transformed. Instead of conforming, Paul says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Transformed by renewing the mind, that is, refocusing our thoughts. Well, Pastor Stevens, what does it mean to transform the mind? Pastor Stevens, what does it mean to transform my mind? Well, I'm glad that you asked. The mind provides access to our thoughts, and our thoughts provide access to our actions. I need to repeat that for somebody. Uh, uh, listen, listen, the mind provides access to our thoughts, and our thoughts provide access to our actions. So renewing the mind means changing the ungodly way we think to think in the godly way God expects us to think in the sense that is revealed throughout his word. Paul reminds us in Romans 8, 5, and 6, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live, he says, in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Y'all need to hear me. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Uh, let me repeat that again. That's verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What Paul is saying simply is that we must choose which radio station we're going to listen to, the flesh or the spirit. One leads to death and the other leads to peace. Uh, a life and peace. Once the mind is transformed, we do an about face walking away from the fleshly laws and lifestyle that leads us to death and destruction to the spiritual laws and lifestyle that leads us to holy living in a heart, heart and world. When I think about what it means to be holy because it is God's will that we be holy, I am reminded of what Paul says in chapter 12, verse 2. He says it should always be about God's will. It is here where Paul lays out three distinct descriptions to God's will, which are good, acceptable, and perfect. The question now becomes, how do we live up to the expectations of good? How do we live up to the expectations of acceptable and perfect will of God? What does that look like to us and for us? What does holy living, a holy life, look like? How do we get there, Pastor Stevens? Well, again, I'm so glad that you asked. How do we strive to live holy in a hard-hearted world, a world where we see hate and hurt all over this country and this world, a world where politics and positions have made its way into the pulpit and into the pews? I'm going to preach this sermon today, y'all. Let me just say that again, a world where politics and positions have made its way in the pulpit and the pews. Uh, 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 I know it's tight, but it's right. How do we get there? From here, Pastor Stephen, well, I'm glad that you asked. We need to get back to the basic. Paul provides us those basic foundational principles that help us to navigate through a world that is 
conformed and not transformed. Paul provides the answer in Colossians 3. If you just turn your Bibles there and follow along with me. If you would allow me to just tabernacle here in Colossians for a few minutes. Uh, 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 there's just, just a moment. You see, Paul says in Colossians 3, Then you were raised with Christ. He says, Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting, at the right hand of God. He says, Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is adultery. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off, are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where he is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, centurion, slave nor free, but Christ is all and all. First, we must seek those things which are above. I know worldly possessions have their lures, but it is all temporary. Position, prestige, and power are temporary. Lavish living and lust-filled life, that's temporary. What we seek above lasts an eternity, and that is Jesus Christ who is sitting at the right hand of God. So the first thing we must seek is those things that are above and not here on earth. Second, we must set our minds on things above and not on earth. Remember that what we said about the mind, it must be transformed and not conformed, uh, that of the world. Setting our minds on things above is setting our sights on heaven and heavenly living. I'm here to tell you that earthly things will disappear. Either you're going to leave it or it is going to leave you. I, I, I can tell you that from preaching a couple of funerals. Now, I've never, uh, never, never seen a Brinks truck behind a U-Haul. I'm here to tell you, either you're going to leave it or it's going to leave you. So we must set our minds on things above and let the material things be where they are. Third, we must put to death fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is adultery. We must rebuke it, refute it, and remove it from uh, ourselves from it. Fourth, we must put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy language out of our mouth. When we listen, when we feast in the word, we force back the feeding of filth. You might want to write that down. Let me just say that again. When we feast in the word, we force back the feeding the filth. The more we stay read up in the word, the less we are fed up in the world. Come on now. The more we stay read up in the world, the less we are fed up in the world. Oh, okay, let me let me say it like this. Uh, 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 this. The more room we have for Jesus, the less room we have for junk. Did you get that good hope? The more room we have for Jesus, the less room we have for junk. You can say the more time we spend with Jesus, the less amount of time we got to spend 
in the world. I, I, I'm going to preach this. Amen, somebody. Uh, uh, filling out our days with the word and keeps us from running on empty in the world. Uh, filling our day with the word keeps us from running on empty in the world. Fifth, we must put on the new man. Renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. It is the new mind and the new walk. It is the newness of my talk and my walk. It has nothing to do with a new body, but a new voice. One where my mind and heart is changed. And I now am displaying the holiness of God in my tender mercy, my kindness, my humility, my meekness, and my long suffering. I got to go over that one again because I get chill bumps when I think about it. We must put on the new Man renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. It is the new mind and the new walk. It is the newness of my walk and my talk. Listen, listen, my brothers and sisters, it has nothing to do with a new body, but a new voice, one where my mind and heart is changed, and now I am displaying the holiness of God in my tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. I am displaying my holiness and bearing on one another means showing grace for the fallen brother and sister. Instead of condemning them when they slip, I'm going to help them get up. Uh, instead of talking about them, I'm going to come along and talk with them. Here's the sixth and final thing we must do that will help us live holy in a heart-hearted world. You might want to write this one down. It's, it, listen, listen. If not, it is okay because it's all scripturally written. We must, above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. We must, of all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Verse 14 says, but, of all, but, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I do not, I, listen, listen, it don't get any better than that. Above all things, put on Love, love, listen, listen, love is what makes up the characteristics of a Christian. Now, now I need you to write this down. That's a Stephenism now. Now, you're not going to find that in any theological seminaries anywhere. But, but uh, everything that I know in my short time here on earth that I know about the characteristics of, of, of God is love is what makes up the characteristics of a Christian. Now, again, that is a Stephenism. I, I, I'm comfortable in saying that because God is love. Right. How do you know, Pastor Stephen? Well, John 3.16 tells me, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love is what makes up the characteristics of Christians. Now again, it is a Stephenism. Uh, 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 I am comfortable in saying it because Jesus is love. I reminded of such an awesome display of his love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. For us, I'm confident in saying that because of his uh, sacrificial death on a cross on Calvary. I'm comfortable in saying it because while stretched out wide, he uttered these very words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, he is saying, forgive them, for they don't understand what they are doing. Uh, I'm here to tell you, love is what makes up uh, the characteristics of a Christian. I'm comfortable in saying that because Jesus, while hanging on Calvary's cross, could have come down anytime, but it was not the nails in his hand or the spikes in his feet. Uh, it was L-O-B-E that kept him up on 
the cross. It is that type of love that Jesus tells us about in John 15 and 13. This is coming straight from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. What it means to be holy and live holy in a hard heart in the world is to love like God and to live like Christ. Let me say that again. What it means to be to holy in a heart hearted world is to love like God and to live like Christ. Uh, there is no greater love. The songwriter put it like this. He said that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The son that gave his life for me when he died on Calvary. There is no greater love. No love Nowhere, no greater love than a man would lay down his life for a friend. No love, nowhere. I search all over. There is no greater love. Then the songwriter says, Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. Uh, they hung him high and they stretched him wide. He hung his head and then he died. That's Love. Then the songwriter does not leave us hanging. He goes on and he says, but that's not how the story ends. He said, three days later, he rose again. What it means to be holy and live a holy life in a heart hearted world is to love like God and to live like Christ. Living holy begins with accepting Jesus in your life. Uh, all you have to do if you don't know him for yourself. All you have to do is repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I invite you to come into my heart. If you said that, I want to welcome you to the kingdom. I welcome you to a kingdom of Bible-believing Christians. Welcome to your kingdom of love. A love where it doesn't matter what your zip code is. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. It doesn't matter whether you're white or black. All that matters is that you are my brother or sister in Christ. We got to get away from politics and position. We got to get away from prestige and power. Some people God elevates in positions and puts them there and they lose their mind. We're reading through the Bible. Look what happened to Saul. God had to go in and replace Saul with David. Uh, we got to stay humble to where we are. We got to love like I, I, we just we got to love like God and we got to live like Christ. I'm here to tell you today now, uh, uh, my brothers and sisters, as I close out this sermon, uh, 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 we have a command by God to be holy. Got to get away from this worldly, worldly world of, 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 of hate and hurt. I, I know what's going on in the news. I know about all the social and all the other unjust things that's going on. And I, I, I'm here to tell you, we just got to love like God and we got to live like Christ. And when we do that, when we do that, uh, not only is God smiling at us from above, but the people who don't know God are drawn to him. So I'm here to tell you, love like God, live like Christ. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share 
with each and every brother and sister on this line, Lord, who are watching through video, that, Father, you've given us the opportunity to get it right through your son, Jesus. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for his life, his death, and more importantly, Lord, we thank you for his resurrection. So, Father, now as we go away today, but never from your presence, we ask that you would just continue to be with us and guide us. Bless all of those who are listening, Father. Let them take, let this resonate, Father. Let them take this away with them, that we have to love like God and we have to live like Christ. We have, God, you have called us to be holy because you are holy. And you've given us the blueprint on how to do that. So we thank you with all that we are and all that we know, Lord. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen, amen, and amen. Go in peace.